Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. And we're back for another episode of On Culture. My name is Mike Sherman, and I am your host uh, for this uh, podcast, which is a part of the Embassy. Uh, you, can, you can find that at theembassy.substack.com. I'm joined, uh, we're in the evening here as we record, uh, by my uh, my son Evan. How you doing, Evan? Doing good, doing good. It's uh, on culture after dark. It's usually usually how it on is. On culture after dark. Yeah. Good, yeah. Good stuff. And so um, we're talking about the latest piece, which is, you know, who's in charge around here, uh, which is kind of about um, sort of a general cultural trend, and then how it impacts us, how it impacts the culture, how it impacts us, how we respond to it, how we should respond to it, the impacts and such. Um, and I kind of start out with just a kind of a list of all the, all the antis, if you will, you know, anti-authority, mm. anti-institutional, you know, kind of anti-credential uh, that, you know, yeah. And then, you know, populism is sort of a general catch-all for kind of um, maybe what results in that or how, you know, basically we form crowds and such and uh, and how that uh, in general puts us in a position where, where it's difficult for us to be led. So uh, let's just start by, you know, why don't your, you know, your reflections on those trends, which you notice about them in terms of people not trusting institutions or experts or authorities mm-hmm. or leaders in general uh, in our culture? Um, so, yeah, a lot of stuff. Um, I would say that broadly speaking, I noticed a lot of the same things um, that you've described in the piece and just in terms, terms of uh, laying the, the lay of the land in terms of describing the, the outlines of the problem. Um, I think the interesting question in this, this gets into some details and some, some examples as we go, but kind of a zoom out framing question is um, I think what you imply towards the end of the piece, towards your conclusion is um, whose fault is it more or less? And that's simplistic, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. basically is it because the institutions are faltering and they deserve criticism for some reason? Um, and, or is it the people's fault basically are, are have we entered some kind of cultural malaise in which the doubting of institutions um, as a as a bottom up movement in the culture is corrosive to um, authority structures to to various um, authority when it comes to information authority when it comes to morality um, the institutional structures that facilitate them all that good stuff um, and I think to me that's I mean, that's the bajillion dollar question, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think there, I mean, I mean again, I, I, I see a lot of the same things. Um, I tend to think it's some of both. Um, but I am inclined to agree with your, where I, I think I see you going in the piece, basically, that it's mostly a demand side problem, that people increasingly want things from culture. They want things from the social organs that, drive culture um, that are not suitable to the health of 
long-term institutional development that are mm-hmm. actually not healthy for them mm-hmm. long-term either. Um, and mm-hmm. so that it's, it's a up bottom up problem and it's not, I mean, no, I, <laughs> I don't think people are basically, um, you know, I don't think that institutional figures are geniuses and they're perfect and they're, you know, it's floating above, uh, you know, the, the, yacht, the, the howling masses, um, in their enlightened, uh, excellence or anything. But I do think, um, fundamentally it's an, a bottom up issue more or less. There's a million yeah, different examples of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where maybe where we are now or mostly where we are. I don't think that's, you know, I think that's a response an over response. You know, there's certainly all sorts of institutional and leadership failures that we could point to starting in my, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. You can keep, you can go back pretty far, but you know, Watergate, was a watershed, you know, cultural happening, um, you know, in the country I was a kid, uh, but, you know, Vietnam being mishandled Mm -hmm. and, you know, all sorts of, you know, kind of big things. And of course, also a series of individual scandals, the Catholic church, you know, other denominations, Mm -hmm. institutions protecting themselves and so on and so on. There's a lot of, there's a lot of there there, you know, uh, and a lot, it's understandable why people, you know, are mistrustful of leadership, uh, and, and institutions, but it seems like the pendulum has swung so far the other way that we, in a sense, what we want is no leadership. Uh, we want sort of avatars or people, you know, that give us promise what we want that, you know, fan service, tell us we're great and that those other people are bad. And we've gotten ourselves into a position where if we had good leaders, you know, they probably aren't rising to the top because we don't want them maybe. Uh, So I don't know. Also, why would you want to though? Again, big sweeping thing. If you have leadership potential, right? If you're whatever, you're in the top 10% of Navy university that you think is good. (laughs) Don't want to be controversial. That's Mm -hmm. no longer a thing you can just, you can't just name universities anymore because that's controversial. Legitimately represent uh, the values that you would elevate. But um, so pick a university in your head, top 10% of graduates. Um, Why would those people want to become leaders? Why not just go make money and have an easier, better life? You know, it's precisely because of the contempt that people have for institutional figures yeah. and especially leaders. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a problem that it's circular. It's a circling the drain kind of problem yeah. where yeah, that's uh, right. it's this the expectations of the people cycle. that would be led, make it worse, actually make the leaders worse. And then that creates yeah. more cynicism and so on and so forth. Yeah. But it leads us to select bad leaders, which leads us to select worse leaders. And, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, there's a, a a leader. It was a, I think he was governor of Indiana or something. Mitch Daniels, uh, mm. a while back, a number I don't know, a couple of decades ago. Uh, He's very well respected. He seemed like a good guy. He was sort of in the center, you know, politically. Um, but you know, he left to become, uh, I think, the president of Purdue University. Um, and you know, you see other. Uh, ben Sass left to become president of Unis- University of Florida, I think. Mm. Um, and you see, you know, you see all sorts of 
people in Congress and, and Senate retiring, and they tend to not be in the in one populist camp or the other populist camp. They they sort of are the mm-hmm. you know that's in that's just politicians. I do think it's all sorts of yeah. Why would I want that job? Why would I want that? Um, you know, nobody trusts you. Nobody believes you. Everyone hates you. Uh, if you're mm-hmm. sort of well adjusted and you've got other things going on in your life, you know, it, it, it leads you in another, another direction. Um, and I think it's just how culture works um, that we are not aware of how all of these things are impacting us. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, you know, when I wrote a while back, I wrote a, little op-ed piece that went into the into the St. Louis Post-Dispatch talking about, it was a similar, it was a similar theme, uh, you know, kind of about us and leaders and, and such. And people on each side of the political spectrum thought I was talking about the other side. So they, if they liked the piece, right. they thought I was talking about those people. And in a sense, that's that's completely understandable because you can see it in other people very clearly. I mean, those people seem crazy. Who really believes that? Mm-hmm. Who really is, you know, uh, and you're, you're blind to your own, you know, that's kind of how, you know, so the, the question isn't, um, you know, the question isn't why do those people believe those things or why do those people, you know, or even why do we have bad leaders? It's I, partly, I think it's how is this trend impacting me? Uh, and how, how mm. am I part of the problem, which is, I think the question I kind of want, you know, us to consider as, as individual people, not just as the masses, mm. like as the, you know, the little people are the problem. It's not really my point. My point is, am I part of this problem? Am I clamoring for unhealthy or rock throwing or point scoring people, mm-hmm. uh, you know? what am I doing to encourage good leadership? I don't really have a prescription, but I think it's, you know, the idea that this is things, this is something that happens to somebody else. Um, I think it's natural, but I'm, I want to kind of say, I think it's happening. I think it's happening in our culture and we're in our culture. So what impact might it have for me and what, what, how might I consider what to do about it? If anything. Right, 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 right. And I think, I mean, I mean, first of all, I mean, the, the, I have a lot of thoughts on the how and the why of the trend because I think that that's where it gets interesting. But just to like mm-hmm. put a, to put a bow on what you're saying, that um, yeah, you know, it's a it's easy, especially because you can read. It's easy for people on the right to read populism as fundamentally like a um, as personified by I don't know, like the 2020 riots or by the, the, the protesters the you know, the current Gaza protesters or by the Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders types. And so when you think yep. of populist, you think of that yep. and you're blind to yep. uh, where it might be closer to closer to home. Then of course, vice versa, mm-hmm. right? There's the, the January, the mm-hmm. January 6th is the image of populism for people right. on the left. And so it's not so much, they just don't see it because they don't see it. It's, it's, it's in other words, the mistake is sincere, right? No, they're not, you know, they're not yeah, that's right. Just lying that's, to themselves. Right. Just, they just don't see it. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. I agree. So then the question is like, how, first of all, try to try to think uh, in terms of whatever your big picture ideological worldview is. Where are you, where are you part of the problem on that level? But I think we can all understand. I mean, we've all been in situations where, um, 
or part of groups of people that have been either ineffective or immoral or both, you know, or, mm-hmm. and certainly we perceive them to be at the time. Um, and yeah. you know, like <laughs> at the time when you're in that situation, any kind of, uh, you know, it, all of your contempt for the institution and the breadth of your contempt for anybody that touches the institution feels very justified. Right. But then yeah. later I, I, you know, I at least have had this experience where I look back and think, you know, it was really probably only a couple people that were consistently wrong about this one thing. And I was probably a little too quick to say, you know, this whole, my, you know, the, the, my old work, my whole team was just totally terrible and all their values are misaligned. And no, probably they were all just regular people, more or less trying to do their jobs. And mm-hmm. I was reading a, really far into a couple of errors. Um, so I, I think basically to put a bow on what you said before, that's good advice that you can apply. Um, big picture, right? Whatever your, yeah. for example, political yeah. worldview is or um, theological worldview is, whatever. But also just little picture things. Like when have you been totally blindly contemptuous of giant swaths of people um, right. Right. essentially overreacted to something that was probably much more small and much more human? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the <clears throat> that's the tricky part. I mean, we we don't notice it in us because it does feel justified, and it might it's partially justified. I mean, there are leadership failures. It's just that we can totalize them and overreact to them and label all leadership or all institutions right. or that whole group or whatever, as you said, and that's well, co- sort of the easy thing to do. Well, I, I think it's a good that's uh, a good thing to touch on though, like because I and this is the I, I'm hearing what you said at the beginning of it's not like there's no there there right. Like there mm-hmm. are, you know, there has been corruption in the Catholic Church uh, with the, the the pedophilia scandal. There's been, um, I mean, there's instances of uh, uh, you know, bribery and corruption and uh, foreign political interference in our political system. All kinds of interesting things we can talk about. But like, is it actually worse now? Like, is the substance of the leadership corruption, notwithstanding the thing we talked about, where we pick bad leaders because we want bad, because good leaders don't want to sign up. Like if we could somehow mm-hmm. adjust for that factor, is it actually worse than it was before? Or do we just, are we less patient with uh, institutional rot and leadership failure than we mm-hmm. used to be? Maybe, and this is where I would point to, it's easier for us to know. It's easier. We have the technological mm-hmm. landscape is such that we have an easier time seeing failure. We have an easier time coordinating with each other and communicating with each other about said failure. We have an, basically an easier time um, making um, any observations of any issues with institutions into political moments that that threaten mm-hmm. at least that figure immediately mm-hmm. and more broadly the credibility of the larger organization. Um, again, mostly because yeah. of technology, but I, I guess that's that's what I'm saying. That's a but good question. I don't I don't know yeah, if that's good enough. I don't know if that's adequate. You know. Well, I think there's. I mean, it is yes and no. I think <clears throat> I think it probably is a little worse. Um, for a couple, it seems worse in our culture, at least. To be clear, you, you mean like the, seems the anti-institutionalism is worse, or you mean the actual institutions themselves are worse than they used to be? Like I think the, a little the bit of both. Because I think like one, priests now are worse than they were 200 years ago, as shown by the. You know, uh, I, mean, I don't. I don't know about that. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm just not, not trying to think on the priests. I can, I can think of. Yeah. I can think of political things, for instance, mm-hmm. where, you know. Watergate would look a lot different now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know that. You know that. Uh, but I do think 
So whether it's really, you know, whether it's really worse or not, I think that there is a, yeah, as a market, there's a, is it's like mm. leader failure porn, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially that there's a market for, there's a market on my side for news of failure on your side and vice versa. Mm. That's bigger than it used to be. It's this, you know, this tribal nature of things that I'm extra incentivized to find out about all your failings and celebrate those things and you vice versa. Mm. Um, so I think that's probably that phenomenon is probably a little worse because all the incentives are a little worse and the tribalism is a little worse and all the populism is a little worse. And so that, again, it's the mm. cyclical nature of it seems like it's getting worse, but it's the same. It's not something that's brand new. I mean, to your point, all of this existed before, uh, you know, we probably do find out about it a little bit more, but I do think there's, yeah, the social media sort of feeding frenzy, tribal point scoring, that all seems worse than it used to mm. be. So my side is incentivized to look for, fa- even if there isn't real failure, I'm going to try right. to call it out and vice versa. An example I that comes that to mind dynamic is dynamic is worse. Yeah. So, the, you know, JFK, it, you know, rumors eventually became um, documented that he was prolifically mm-hmm. um, adulterous, right? He was pretty prolifically mm-hmm. had, like would have multiple sexual encounters with people that were not Jacqueline Kennedy a day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the idea mm-hmm. of that happening in this century seems like to your point would, would be amazing. Um, and people, I mean, certainly it, ha- it was, a, it was an egregious enough problem that even uh, white house reporters knew it was, it was pretty open secret to people that were close enough um, to include people that could have reported on it, but they just, I mean, between um, whether they were just loyal to him personally, or I think yeah. more to your point on the demand side, um, they th- they didn't think that people wanted to hear about that. They didn't want to think that yeah. there was no I mean, market right. for like, hearing like right. prurient stories. And now it's like that's right. It's it was known but unreported. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and that's just a that's a good example of, I mean the situ- uh, the situation, you know, adultery in in the White House isn't new, but right. the way culture is sort of set up now how that's handled seems different and it seems different in a, in a way that impacts people who are far away from the white house and far away from that, mm. all of those situations that, you know, it is much more of an us and them much more of a, um, you know, they're the bad guys and we're the good guys. And I guess the, one of the points I'm trying to make here has, how does that dynamic play out in leadership where we tend mm. to reject all the leaders that are not like the leaders we would pick and, you know, that we would fashion after our own devices. Right. And of course, good leaders aren't that kind of, they're, you know, they're independent. They're going to take us where, you know, we wouldn't have chosen to go necessarily would they would, you know, put us in a, in a community with people we may not have picked and that they're going to rally us around a cause and move us in that direction. And, that's we set ourselves up for anybody who might be that person. We, we we've already rejected them probably or or mistrusted them or, or whatever, uh, as the case may be. Um, and I think that I mean I used the the uh, the biblical example of Abimelech in Judges Judges nine, where you know you have basically this tribe uh, that's sort of half related to the the actual lineage of kings. 
and Abimelech gets gets his you know basically his clansmen to go along with, and he kills seventy uh, of the other you know half clan people that would be in line for the throne uh, in order to represent his tribe and get you know whatever it takes to get the crown uh, that sort of thing. And then then there's this parable that uh, Jotham, the the lone remaining escapee you know, says it sort of is like you're getting the leader that you deserve. Uh, and this, you know, basically you got your, you got your leader. Congratulations. This is not going to turn out well. And of course it didn't. And the same sort of idea with Saul, you know, we want a king like all the other nations. And in a sense, God says, okay, well, here you go. Um, and the, you know, the leader they wanted was not a good leader. And that's kind of the dynamic that I'm, exploring a little bit we've been talking about the leader we want is not actually a good leader because uh, we don't really even know what we what leadership means anymore or what we want by it we just want what right. we want we want our agenda we want those people you know crushed down and so my the guy that's going to do that or the woman that's going to support but you know it's this whole sort of dynamic of the people that we would choose to be leaders because it's what we want would turn out to be mm -hmm. bad leaders like for just like yeah. you know Bimlock's family or just like the people that call for Saul and right. so that's just sort of this question of what is that what's going on there well I think part of this I mean there's I mean as we've demonstrated with the uh, the, the example of Bimlock's story it's just universal human nature and so we can see it manifest itself in different cultural and historical moments but um, I think within the within the present day context, I think that the, the paradigm of modernity in the way that that, um, that, that has postmodern implications has bearing on this, that basically like either we're correct or we're incorrect about this, but we tend to think that we don't need groups as much as we used to anymore. We don't need institutions. Mm -hmm. We don't need um, to belong and be shaped by things. We want our in interactions with groups, with, um, you know, social groups, cultural groups, whatever. We want that to be more transactional because we don't think we need as much out of them. So we don't want to invest a lot of ourselves into it um, because we're not investing a lot of self, a lot of ourselves into it. There's not as much opportunity for us to be shaped by leaders and by the frameworks that mm -hmm. they control, by the levers that they can pull. Um, and then what we want out of it is much more limited. It's things like what you know, the narratives. Um, like the, the idea of a leadership failure porn, but just generally like um, narratives that establish that we're in the right and they're in the wrong um, and give me a sense of identity. Um, but we don't think we need as many of the things, the functions that institutions used to do for thousands of years. Um, mm -hmm. We don't think we need as many of those things as we used to need. We think that we can kind of, we got this, mm -hmm. right? We don't, we don't need... Mm -hmm. We don't need we don't need the institution of X Y Z club, whether it's a church or a bowling league. We don't really need them to um, discipline our schedule or discipline our rules of etiquette and how we talk to the people in our community anymore, because we can basically entertain ourselves now, right? Whereas mm -hmm. the church, you know, three hundred years ago might have been a pretty central hub for social events, which was a central means of entertaining oneself. Uh, hundreds of years ago, that's not so true anymore. And to a lesser extent, that was true for bowling leagues, right? We just don't mm -hmm. feel like we need that anymore. And that's a trivial thing, entertaining yourself, yeah. right? But there's a lot of little but ways. I think, that's I think a, there's a good point like there. We, 
need each other. Yeah, there's a good point there. Like if you grew up in a village a hundred years ago mm-hmm. and, you know, the mayor was bad or whatever, you probably, it would, it wasn't that easy just to pick up and leave. Uh, right. You know, it was a village of 500 people and, you know, you know, you had to deal with the situation. You couldn't separate yourself from it. And I right. think you're, I think that's a good point. We do feel like we can separate ourselves from, like, I don't really, you know, I don't really need any leadership, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm going to be independent. And, and I think that's where, you know, a lot of people, especially in the middle, uh, you know, people who are not, you know, tied into leadership of an institution, but just are sort of there or, you know, maybe in the middle of the political spectrum who aren't really active and, you know, running for politics or whatever. There's mm-hmm. this, this sense of, you know, it's disappointing, but I don't really notice it until there's a next election cycle or, or whatever, or if I have, I need something from this institution. I think that is part of it and it, and it sort of devalues leadership and, and we devalue institutions just by saying we don't really need them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for, if you, you know, you mentioned universities before uh, and obviously there's been scandals uh, related to, you know, plagiarism, multiple, like half a dozen, if you start looking at them um, and all sorts of things, you know, lack of free speech and so on. And, uh, and it's easy to say, well, that's fine. I, I know I don't, I wouldn't want my children to go to those universities anyway. It's kind of what we, right. you know, it's there not are thousands really... of choices, and because of yeah, there are thousands of choices. I can access all of them. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the. But the, there's a. There's. It is a problem. It. You know. Mm-hmm. It is a problem. Even if I don't send my kids to these prestigious universities, it is a problem that these things mm-hmm. going on. These things. And it's kind of a collective action spread. problem because for your kids, it is. It's, it's almost certainly better just to pick the school that you think is currently better. Right. And you can't sure. do that because of technology. But for the long term, mm-hmm. if everybody does that, then we're yeah. a we're, we're yeah. incentivizing schools to market to very small audiences. And B, we're probably mm-hmm. we're not fixing whatever the prior problem was at the schools. Yeah. And the problem just is invited to spread. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think that, you know, the university is a good because it was seen as sort of a yeah, there's a lot of crazy things going on in universities 10, 15 years ago. But whatever. Uh, but it does turn out to be a problem for the society we're living in. And I think even if you draw the picture bigger, you know, we don't feel a sense of obligation to make society better. We just are trying to live our own lives. And if you think about, well, we have an obligation to make society better, then mm-hmm. we do have to have institutions that right. help us make society better. We have institutions of learning, of medicine, uh, you know, institutions that like companies, um, all of this stuff does matter. But I think to your point, we can tell ourselves it doesn't matter to me because I don't work mm-hmm. there. I don't go there, you right. know, uh, and but that's how it spreads pretty quickly throughout the culture. And it is sort of, again, it's part of how am I part of this problem? I'm not I don't really know exactly what to do about it other than I'm just raising the 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 possibility that we should just stop saying the, all of that problems out there somewhere and begin to ask ourselves, how am I part of the problem? Um, mm. And I think that's, once you start doing that, you start thinking, oh, okay, there's, there's probably different ways of living and thinking and being in the world 
that would actually address some of these things in small ways, but all small mm-hmm. ways added up is how. Is well, how I think that, that raises an interesting so, question, though, because like, I think by definition, we're talking about making some kind of impact. You know, we're talking about um, engaging other groups of people, um, groups, I mean, uh, so organized by group, organized by city, you know, to engage your states, engage your nation, et cetera, et cetera, the groups that you belong to that are much bigger than you. Um, but I, I mean, that's because so, a lot of the time, and this this happens when you you and I talk a lot, but a lot of times I come to this conclusion myself too. I think this is the way the world is. I can't change the world because I can't change people's hearts. That's a, you know, and I I might even spiritualize it. I might even say it's a God thing to change Mm -hmm. their hearts. And it's not for me to do that. And so I'll say, these are the things I can do for them. But for the most part, I'm just going to try to live my life um, honorably (coughs) facing people and worshipfully facing God. But I'm not Mm -hmm. changed. I'm not like, I'm not about to try to change everything. I'm not trying to uh, push people around, But, but, but almost by definition, this problem is a social problem. So yeah. how do you, yeah. like, how do we navigate that, basically? Because I think we, especially well, given I, the I, scale of the problem, we <laughs> end up in a similar place on some yeah. on some levels, right? We can't actually fix yeah. all this, but we kind of... Right, engage, so it's less right? about outcome, I think, and more about process and being in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, the question then becomes, what does it mean to live honorably with my neighbor? Mm-hmm. And I think in some sense... I'm going to need some institutions because my neighbor is going to need some institutions that mm-hmm. if I, it doesn't matter to me because I'm not a part of that or I don't need that institution, but somebody does society does. And so what does that mean? It, 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 it starts with, if nothing else, it starts with some sort of an attitude change towards institutions are important. It's good that there, we, have, we need, we need healthy institutions rather than that doesn't matter mm-hmm. uh, because any, anything that, changes has to start you have to you have to get off of it doesn't matter and even if the outcome is is uncontrollable by any individuals uh, it's more about how am i being in the world and uh if i'm in the world with a healthy view of healthy institutions that's better for me and for my neighbor and i'm not necessarily contributing to the negativity or to the caustic whatever right I'm not yeah. part of that problem. I'm trying to not be part of that problem. Um, you know, all of which is, um, you know, in, in, if, if we talk about in the church, we tend to think of ourselves as individuals and our family as our family. And how do we navigate life that way? When all, all of the scriptures pretty much are talking to groups of people uh, and we don't necessarily see it that way. They talk about, you know, God's people in Israel, people of Judah, you know, the, the church in Ephesus, um, you know, that's, it's a group of people and we're, you know, we're, we're called to live together, uh, in a community. Uh, and if I'm the sort of people person who thinks I don't need a community or institutions are bad or leadership is bad or this, then I'm going to have a more difficult time, practically speaking, loving my neighbor. Mm. Because if I'm going to practically love my neighbor at some point, my neighbor's going to need institutions. It's going to need hospitals and churches and healthy companies and schools and healthy governments and all of those things. Right. And it's easy just to draw out because the problem is large. And so you, you, to your point, you can't fix it. Uh, But faithfulness is not outcome based uh, or it's its own outcome, I guess. 
it's a way of saying is your faithfulness is is the only outcome I think God cares about, uh, and you know he'll he'll go he'll take it from there. Uh, but it's that's very uh, it's very anti this cultural drift. It's very countercultural. Uh, I well, think within that, that context, counterculture, maybe even quasi uh, luddite reaction is if and this is probably just it's silly so i think it's but it's worth starting here and then reverse engineering it it feels it feels like all of this would be better with smaller groups right and the bigger mm-hmm. groups we can't make them not exist we can't eliminate the, the existence of nations or of social mm-hmm. media platforms where billions of people interact we can't eliminate that but it feels like um this would be easier if we starting with i invested a larger proportion of my time with people that were not only closer to me um, just by proximity, but closer to me structurally. So I spend more time with mm-hmm. my own family and then my extended family, and less time with strangers on the internet for, as an easy example, mm-hmm. but even going so on and so yeah. forth. Like yeah. if we, it, maybe it's better to have um, it to be a, to be a member at a church of a hundred instead of a church of uh, mm-hmm. 2000, because it's just fundamentally easier to engage and influence and edify a group of a hundred people than it is mm-hmm. 2000 just scale becomes a problem or if you go to a yeah, I mean, church of 2000 be. spend more time with a small group kind of thing but just yeah. like try yeah. to keep you, the scale smaller yeah. so that you can make more mm-hmm. difference but is that yeah, like I what i is that right. just like I mean, reactionary it, it, and silly or i don't uh, know i mean i think there's something there if you're in a church of 2000 then find your smaller group to be a part of a community find a ministry you can be a part of it might be a small part of the whole but it's still significant um I, you know obviously that's sort of baked into the cake if you're in a small one but but it's even more like uh again um like you're you're on the hoa of your subdivision well, that's, that, that's a great example I mean, right so i'm i'm on the hoa there's three three directors so to speak and mm-hmm. there's, I don't know, a hundred households, more than a hundred, 120 mm-hmm. or something. And even I feel like, well, I can't really change the culture here. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Even though I have that sense right. of like, uh, what well, you know, what's, but I probably could do more, right. Probably the well, sense, I mean, of, I my, think my that's, sense that's, of utility yeah. is part of the problem. That's one of the things I'm speaking to, I think is just, that's maybe not the best question. The best question is what does faithfulness look like? What does this these 120 families need what you know what should we be doing uh and all of that sort of thinking makes uh, makes the hoa healthier uh and i think that's it's those things added up you know make a difference but those things uh lived out in your life make a difference to you and your family and i think that's it's not Mm -hmm. simply the outward outcome it's you know, uh, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty thankless job, you know, but it's, it's important in sort of an uh, everyday way. Like, yeah, you kind of need that because mm-hmm. people will complain about it, but if you didn't have one, you know, you'd have all sorts of things start to happen in the, you know, in the, in the subdivision and people will go, what's, who stops that person? And they say, well, I can do whatever I want blah, 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 blah. But the the fact is you kind of agreed to be in a community together and you need somebody leaders in that community to sort of, you know, superintend the rules and stuff. And it's, it's, that's an institution. It's not sexy or, or, or world shaking, but it, it, you, you don't really miss it until it's gone. 
um, it makes me think of um, the end of the last book of the Lord of the Rings hmm. uh, when they go back to the Shire yeah, and yeah. everything's sort of chaos there and, you know, bad leader snuck. It's so all the stuff, all the ways of life they took for granted sort of, you know, that they got a couple of bad leaders in there um, hmm. and everything kind of, kind of went to heck. Uh, and I think that's, and then people kind of resign themselves to it uh, until until somebody know, comes in from the outside uh, and says, "Wait, why are you?" Until Frodo and this? Sam come yeah. in. Yeah, what are we doing yeah. here? Right. And so um, <clears throat> I think that's this thing: is you kind of oh, yeah, there's nothing I can do to change it, but I think that might be the wrong uh, stance in the world. Is what does faithfulness look like for me? Whether it changes mm-hmm. anything else or not, it will change me. It will change people close to me. Uh, and that's important. And that's, you know, really what, what I'm responsible for anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I do think the, the societal changes are so big, so problems are so big, we withdraw for them. And with them, we become part of the societal problem by withdrawing from them, uh, in, in a way. And so, uh, and then, you know, um, to be a leader, uh, in a smaller scale where it's necessary, a good leader, faithful leader, thankless, um, is important. Uh, and you know, I think those, those things can bubble up. And I think that where we are now is sort of an end of a long cycle of rejecting and withdrawing and rejecting and withdrawing Mm -hmm. and tribalizing and fighting back and forth and, and so on and so on and so on until the people that we tend to get on the political uh, world as leaders are the people who can best rock throw against those other people. Right. They can best score points against those other people, um, which isn't obviously leadership at all. Mm. And yes, there's always going to be rock throwers, but uh, the fact that there now seems to be a demand for them is is one of the things that right. I'm pointing to. So I think one, and this is, again, maybe this is too big to open, but another axis of this is just um, I guess values is the, the the word I'll use to launch off from. Like into, whether it's what people want or ultimately, hopefully, what they need. Um, I guess is part of the problem that either our val like we no longer share enough of a common set of values across mm-hmm. X Y Z groups of people from you know mm-hmm. all the way down to the to the family level all the way up to the, the nation mm-hmm. state, um, such that we can criticize and a we can criticize leaders with a common set of criteria, but also mm-hmm. b um, that we can desire outcomes that our leaders are leading us towards yeah. that are just incompatible with each other. Yeah. Or yeah. is so that, that that's a rather <laughs> that's a that's a deeper, uh, more high minded view of what our differences are, and we can even talk about how technology allows people to be exposed to different ideas and then to coalesce with each other. And so that we have these different tribes that actually have different values or is that all just kind of noise and we actually, our values aren't really that different and we're consuming all these us versus them narratives, just like junk food. And it's not actually, our differences aren't that really that big. It's Mm -hmm. just that we want to be entertained. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I I kind of think it's both, but I don't know. I think it's both, but I think there's part of that second part is a part that we can do something about because yes, that we probably do have different values and maybe increasingly so, 
But instead of concentrating and demonizing the people with different values, we could concentrate on what values we have in common and work towards them, which would, again, work in the opposite direction that we've been working. Uh, it isn't simply that we have different values, it's that we don't, we tend to, to want to say, I don't share any values with those people. I don't share anything with it. They're the devil and I'm, we're the good people. And instead of, yeah, we disagree on some things, but we do share some values. Let's work together. Uh, yeah, but if I demonize you, then I can't really work with, I can't compromise with the demons, right? right? And that's, that's a, it's a point we've made a few times, you know, in this podcast. It's, that's the problem. The differences might be bigger, probably are bigger. We're a pluralistic, uh, you know, society. The people do have a, exposure to all sorts of different ideas and so on and so on. All of that is true. Uh, but we te- what we do with it tends to be push the divisions farther rather than uh, concentrating on what does our common humanity, common dignity, you know, that, um, you know, we don't want people to live in poverty. We don't want people to be victims of crime. You know, we, we, we do want good educational uh, systems and outcomes and so on and so on and so on. There's lots of things that we could get work together on. Uh, but once, you know, once we start focusing on the difference in values, then we're not working together on anything. We're working against the enemy. Uh, and in that case, we pick a leader that works best against our enemy uh, instead of picking leaders to solve problems. And so that's maybe a different way, you know, a different way as we lay in this sort of plane here. That's perhaps a different way of thinking about why we pick the leaders that we pick uh, and why we were so angry and anxious, you know, at each other. Um, uh, and again, to kind of come back down to the, the, you know, basic point, it's, this is a structural problem. It's a societal problem, but my response to it has to be personal, has to be me. You know, what does it look like to be me in the world, to be a faithful me, husband, father, you know, member of a church, part of a, you know, works here, live here, whatever that is. Um, and so that's sort of the question I kind of want to leave us with is, especially if for those people who are believers, what does faithfulness in my faith look like when it comes to living in this way or I'm feeling like I have some obligation to my neighbors to help them right. and therefore be a part of institutions they need or so on. Because um, I think one way that I, plays I think, out too, that just to add that, is like, why, so differences in values in coalescing of, around tribes of people with like-minded values with against the other that's definitely one way that plays out right where it's it's a Mm -hmm. hostility us versus them thing but to what your your final point for us in our own individual call um one thing that i sometimes do and i wonder if a lot of us do this is we'll kind of say look i what i want out of this is so different than what they want out of this my values are so different i'm just going to disengage right i'm not going to fight them we we might even Mm -hmm. say that we're taking the high road we might even say, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm so good because I'm not falling into that um, hostile narrative, but we still don't actually do anything. We don't help. We don't mm-hmm. try to find the common ground. We get so hung up on his vision so different than my vision that it's just not worth dealing with him. Yeah. And I think that's, right. a, that's a, to your point, like we, that's the one thing you can't do is just kind of mm-hmm. give up and let it spin out. Yeah, that's right. So that's that's where that would not be faithfulness, you know, to my call, but just to stay engaged as I can in a helpful and fruitful way. And also if you work shoulder to shoulder, actually, 
with people on a particular thing, then the, the differences tend to, to, you know, tend to be minimized. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're actually in the arena, then, um, you know, I, I serve on a board of a nonprofit and I don't really even know what the politics of most of the other members of the board are because mm -hmm. we're not there to talk about what differences we're there to talk about. How do we, you know, how does this nonprofit accomplish its mission in the community? Um, and so I think more of that and, and, you know, you know, what's a problem we're trying to solve and how do we solve it together is just a whole different question than the other ones that were tend to dominate our, our thinking. So, um, yeah, let's leave it there. We're, past, we're a little over our time. Uh, and uh, so I appreciate uh, the conversation and uh, hopefully it's food for thought and food for reflection and, and, and prayer for reflection for all of us. So, so thanks, Evan. Thanks for having me. It's and uh, until next time, uh, we will uh, see you again. Look for the next uh, uh, edition of uh, The Embassy and the next uh, episode of Avant Culture. Until then, grace and peace. You've been listening to On Culture, a podcast of The Embassy newsletter. Have a question? Send it to theembassy at substack.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.